Welcome to the Everything is Light podcast. We exist to tell stories of resilient hope. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps out. Again, thanks for listening. Hey friends, this is Chris. Uh, you're listening to the Everything is Light podcast, and this is episode nine. Uh, we are continuing our Advent series today, and we're going to have a friend of the podcast named Father Kenneth Tanner uh, here with an interview uh, just a little bit later. Uh, in the meantime, here's my friend Drew. Hey, y'all. And Leo. Hello, friends. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. We've got a lot of stuff for you today. Uh, here we go with Currents. Drew, you had a current for us? In 1963, we learned that with great power comes great responsibility. And this year we found out that if you're Disney, you can get away with rebooting that whole series at least three times. (laughs) Because Tom Holland's Spider-Man is coming out here. Um, I believe the official title is Spider-Man versus Birdman. 
Really? Dawn of <laughs> no, it's Disney? Not. Well, no, I'm sorry. Dawn Let me Disney's just explain the joke here. Superhero Empire. I'm just going to explain the joke here. The actor who played Birdman yeah. in the Oscar-winning film Birdman. Michael Keaton. My, the Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. You know, from like... Key. All Keaton Michael Key <laughs> from Michael Key. all of those uh, 80s movies and all that fun stuff yeah. is, is playing the villain, the vulture. He's got the feathers and everything. So Michael Keaton, who also played Batman in the 90s, which was super meta, like that he made this movie, Birdman, you know, mm-hmm. about a guy who got tight cast, could only play a superhero like he did with Batman 20 years ago, is now playing another bird-like, winged, super-powered <laughs> character. Yeah. And I think... Do you think he knows? Do you think it's he's totally aware of the typecast? Yeah, I saw that in the trailer. I realized it was Michael Keaton, and I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> but I think I think it's on purpose. I genuinely do. Like, I think he's kind of trying... Because Birdman, I don't know if you saw Birdman. So good. It, dude, it was phenomenal. That was one of my favorite movies. Like, one it is take. one of my favorite movies. The the camera follows him around the whole time, and there's no cuts. Seriously? And it's just... Oh, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I just... I don't understand how they did it. I'm sure they edited it together, because there's no way you can do that entire movie with no oh, mistakes. Yeah. But it's like one shot. But it's one shot the whole time. time, no cuts. Wow. It's unreal. And it makes you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's crazy. But... I think that he's, it almost feels like to me like he's trying to build a legacy off of that, which is very meta and very weird. powered creatures. But <laughs> he's got to be. Like, the, the winged superhero thing, like, he's still playing off of it, huh. even though he made a movie about being typecast as that. That's so funny. I don't know. It's, it's really... Like, it's career art. It really is. Huh. Like he's yeah, he's using his career as an art. I really think he is. Well, yeah, like was, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, or who was the guy who did I'm Still Here, where he went on like David Letterman with the glasses and the scraggly beard? Jude Law? Well, no, was Joaquin that? Phoenix. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, yeah, yeah. And he hit with his rap career, but it was all for that movie. <laughs> right. We just weren't in on it while right. it was happening. Yeah. I'm wondering th- if on his deathbed he'll say, it was all worth it. I was never a bird for real. <laughs> 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 I wonder what my Michael Keaton's last words will be. <laughs> I don't know. That's what keeps me up at night. <laughs> that, those are his last words. But I didn't do Batman 3. <laughs> Schumacher. Yet I was willing to do Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> don't you. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, so I, I had one. Uh, I just noticed this today, and it's it's slightly terrifying, super eye-opening, and I feel like I need to get this out to the public. Was this like right before we started recording when you went to... Legitimately, yeah. And um, <laughs> this happened today. It's still fresh in my mind, and I'm very passionate about it, but the world needs to know we're we've been duped by major corporations and huh. as we continued to be duped yeah okay. this is a new revelation so i i have a starbucks gold card oh there's your problem um starbucks coffee is not the best coffee it's okay what but it's it's i mean it's better it's the best drive through coffee that it's you the can most get. convenient it's of... the best most convenient coffee yes in my opinion i will not stop at big b i will not stop at it, when caribou was a thing, I would never stop at caribou. I, would caribou. I don't get McDonald's coffee. I don't even like Tim Hortons coffee. <gasps> Starbucks is the best kind of coffee that's drive through. With that being said, I'm getting way off here. With that being said, I I have a Starbucks Gold card, which you have to buy. I think it's 12 drinks within a year to be able to keep your it's, Gold it's card 30. status. 
30 drinks. Okay, so this is even worse. 30 <laughs> drinks in a year to keep your gold card status. So you have to buy at least three a month mm. to continue to stay a gold member of Starbucks. I've been a proud gold card carrying member of Starbucks since I believe 2011. Same. And now I have the <laughs> app on my phone and I can reload it whenever I want. Now the reload limit is $10. That's the least that you can put on your card. So every time that I run out of Starbucks money on my Starbucks card, I reload it with 10 more dollars instantly oh, from my debit card. I realized the star system. So they changed the star system. It used to be like once every seven drinks or something like that, you got a free drink. And I thought that that was a great deal because I get quite a few drinks at Starbucks. Then they They've, switched to a different star They switched to a different system where you use stars now. And the stars, I just realized today because I, I don't know how it tra- how it works. I've just, it's it's been a mystery to me and <laughs> I've just kind of let it be what it was and never tried to figure it out. Today I realized that it takes 125 stars, 125 stars, to get a free drink. Now, a star, you get two stars for every dollar that you spend at Starbucks. So (laughs) I got my calculator out, sitting in the drive-thru at Starbucks, typed in 125 divided by two. I got two free drinks last month. Oh, no. (laughs) And it takes sixty two fifty spent at Starbucks to get a free drink. And I had this chilling realization <laughs> of how much money I have been spending at Starbucks when I don't have money to spend at Starbucks. Chris is woke, ladies and gentlemen. I am so <laughs> coffee woke right now. Um, I pulled up to that window pissed no joke and i told Alyssa, this is the last time this is the last time i refuse to give this company any more of my money i didn't realize how much money i was spending because you reload it you don't think about it it's an app on your phone i get free drinks all the time and and i thought you know well if i spend it on my card then i i'm working towards a free drink three dollars yeah. Out of 60 that you have to spend to get a free drink. What in the world? Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> this were... is this is a conspiracy. You were led to like a lamb to the slaughter. Yeah. Starbucks uh, is taking all my money, and I didn't even notice. They made it the most convenient way to lose $125 yeah. in a month. Well, and you know, I, I'm, I, don't, I hate to shame Starbucks because they've been my friend for a really long time. As uh, he's saying this, he's I, caressing his freshly I'm literally freshly sipping <laughs> from my tall pike. This is like uh, such a remorseful like moment right now. You staring at this cup being like, loathing I, I want to love you. <laughs> a quarter of it is still full. There's still a quarter of, of cold coffee in my cup, and I'm not going to drink it. And I just spent $3 on this thing. I, You know what? I'm done wasting money at Starbucks. Now, with that being said, it's still a great place to go and get work done. They've got free Wi-Fi. Yeah. When I have my gold card, I can get... A two dollar coffee, two fifteen dollar coffee, um, and I can refill it all day, and yep. it's awesome. And I love Starbucks, and their huh. playlists are amazing. But yep, <laughs> I refuse to use my gold card for anything other than that for the rest of my life. <laughs> we'll hold you to that, <laughs> and we would like all of you in uh, podcast land to also hold him to that. So if you this see is an Chris... official Starbucks boycott. <laughs> so if you see any Chris Johnson. Check-ins at Starbucks. We need you to call this crap out. <laughs> we'll put in the show notes a link to change.org of a petition that we will start. 
<laughs> to hold Chris accountable. <laughs> and my fiance Brittany works at the twelve and oh wait, I can't. I'm not gonna say the location, <laughs> but she works. She works at the Starbucks close to where we are right now. Oh, close. Like I think the closest Starbucks to where you live. And I could get a free drink from her. You, you could, but she will also tell me when you are there <laughs> that I will keep you accountable. <laughs> oh, man. Change.org means the president would keep you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> I drove through two days ago, and Brittany made a pour-over for she me. She told me. It they was have wonderful. pour-overs at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. it was great. Well. It's really way better than the Pike stuff. But anyway, speaking of change <laughs> and conspiracy, uh, Leo, you had something for us, huh? It's a great segue. Yeah. Okay, so there's this video that's been circulating on the internet uh, entitled The Advent Conspiracy. Now, um, I was unaware of this video until about maybe 10 minutes before we started recording this. And watching this, I am sincerely concerned uh, just in general. Um, Statistics in this video show that as Americans, we spend over $450 billion on Christmas. That's Christmas uh, that we celebrate by buying gifts for our families that they don't necessarily need or would even like. And that's a lot of money being spent and funneled towards just corporations like Starbucks. Yeah. To tie that in. Think about um, how many Starbucks gift cards you have received for Christmas throughout the years. And all of that money. Just funneling back into a system of oppression Shame. of people that are addicted <laughs> to coffee anyway back to the <laughs> but yeah but for 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 seriousness um 450 billion dollars being spent on christmas um while uh one of the biggest problems even you know in our own communities uh is uh, a lack of available clean water to drink or use uh for bathing um still problems in flint still problems all over the world um statistics show that it would cost the world 20 billion dollars 20 billion dollars to solve this world's wide problem of lack of clean drinking water and lack of clean usable water um so put that into perspective 450 billion dollars spent on just starbucks gift cards and ugly sweaters and socks (laughs) i i would love socks that's actually something i need but <laughs> note to our, all of our listeners: <laughs> really fancy Leo, socks. Leo needs fancy socks. So um, Bombas, <laughs> seamless socks. Maybe we need to get a sponsorship on here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wink, wink. But with that said, you know it's f- money that could be spent, hmm. uh, you know, serving people and uh, giving people access to something that is vitally needed to live, and so. We'll put on the show notes just a link to that video, more information, stuff that we can, um, stuff that we can do to kind of counteract this, um, this imbalance of using our money towards things that we don't need versus mm-hmm. money that we could be using to, um, you know, give people life. Yeah, yeah. So the company was called Advent Conspiracy, right? Out of Portland, Portland, oh, Oregon. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, and they they've got a cool video. We'll we'll link it all in the show notes, and you can check it out. Uh, we would love for you guys, as our listeners, to be a part of this alongside of us um, as kind of our everyone is light uh, focus for Advent, for the Advent season. So, um, we, yeah. Just uh, one last thing uh, before we go on to the at big Advent interview with mm-hmm. Father Kenneth Tanner. Um, 
man, we had such a good time this weekend at the Advent Liturgy. Yeah, that was great. With uh, Charles Porter from Fable Podcast. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Chris Chris spoke a bit, and Leo played some music. I think that in the next week or two, we may even have a clip for you to show you. Uh, It it was a good time had by all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you came out... It was good to see you there. If you didn't come out, yeah, thank you missed you. out. Um, but um, Charlie did a really good job of just like opening his home and you know making the space yeah. for this. And it was and just a pizza. good hangout space. Yeah, space Lots for of pizza, pizza, different various alcohols. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> various pizza halls. <laughs> <laughs> various Christmas wrapped candies. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I had Rolos for the first time. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Pretty phenomenal, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're going to take this, and uh, now we are going to go ahead and throw you to our interview with Father Ken Tanner. Hello, we are here with Father Kenneth Tanner uh, to discuss an advent of joy and the incarnation this week. It really is a treat having you, Father Ken. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm glad to be here uh, with uh, you guys. I've known um, Drew for... A little bit. I got to know Leo and Chris uh, recently, and um, it's been a blessing. I'm the pastor of so. Holy Redeemer mm-hmm. in Rochester Hills, where I've been for 12 years. Uh, before that, I was mm-hmm. at Touchstone Magazine in Chicago uh, for six years, and in California for 20 before that. Mm-hmm. I come out of a Pentecostal background. I grew up Pentecostal in the South, and uh, I went to ORU in Tulsa cool. for college and it was while I was at ORU that I began to read the church fathers mm. and to have a, a deep sense of the incarnation was what really changed my whole when I started to understand the incarnation it changed my whole view of Christianity and because um, I was kind of getting nervous about whether I could be a Christian and mm. uh, mm. reading the fathers and coming to understand the incarnation really radically changed my life and and it, it eventually gradually over a five year period changed the way I worshiped and the kinds of um, uh, experiences that I was having and, and the kind of churches that I was a part of. And, um, and uh, that, there's a whole story. Yeah, that too. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's really great having you. It really is an honor. I mean, anytime we've gotten a chance to come by Holy Redeemer, it really is a treat. Like, I, I, I wish, I'm one of those guys who wishes he could be everywhere at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we love having you. Um, and I think you were at our Ash Wednesday service this year, and yeah. that was a great night. Such a good night. Um, pulling up here to Central Church, um, I noticed that there was a Jimmy John's right near, a, a Jimmy John's <laughs> drive-through right next to the church. You could drive your car out of the church and into the Jimmy yep. John's drive-through. Yeah. And I wonder how anyone on staff here could weigh less than 300 pounds. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was just a thought I had driving in and snow everywhere. A lot of centering that's, prayer that's how and people, control. Yeah, for sure, self-control, <laughs> fruit of the Spirit. Um, <laughs> yes. That's how people you look know great. our church. I mean, you look fit. Oh, so. Thank you. It's the coat. It's I'm hiding. Talking, it's I'm the coat. It's hiding. Actually, all three of them are, are very handsome and and um and just because it's an audio gentlemen. medium <laughs> we had to say that um no it's funny because people know central church we like when we say central church is on 12 mile and we tell them where it is they go uh no i don't i don't know we're like right next to the jimmy john's we're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. the church next to the that's jimmy the john's across yeah, that's, cool. that's kind of how we i go. love jimmy john's but i can't eat there much yeah i understand we yeah. had some questions for you with this season that we're in right mm. now uh, some of them we had discussed prior, so 
uh, yeah, just feel free to expound on some of these as much as you can, because I know there's just a lot of wisdom we can glean from your perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Chris had the first yeah, question. Yeah, well, like for me, the, the main thing that came to my mind uh, when we were talking about doing, you know, obviously we're in the Advent season and we've been talking about incorporating that into what we're doing on the podcast and that sort of thing. Um, for me growing up, I, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, I grew up in Florida. And so uh, growing up with like a very reformed evangelical background, um, the incarnation I felt like was something that I missed out on a lot, mm-hmm. um, mostly because the way that, I mean, you know how it is, especially in those circles, you, you talk about Christmas like it's like the baby was born to die. You know, mm, and it's yes. almost like they deflect the incarnation right yes. into the crucifixion. Yeah. Um, and I told Drew when we were talking about uh, about the incarnation and we were talking about maybe incorporating that and talking about it and discussing it and whatever, meditating on it with the podcast. Um, I told him I immediately thought of you <laughs> because uh, just the stuff that you post on social media throughout the year is very incarnation based. Mm. Um, And so I guess for me, the main thing that I kind of wanted to hone in on and focus in on is what do we miss? Like for people like me that come from an evangelical stream and uh, like you had mentioned, you you grew up Pentecostal and so you kind of came from more of an evangelical stream too. what what do we miss when we're when mm-hmm. we do that when we just deflect right from the incarnation to the crucifixion? There, I feel like there's an entire thing there that we're just completely missing out on. You know, absolutely. And I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do the cross. Um, I mean, the cross is the cross, and there's yeah. nothing that can be taken away from it or added to it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the axis uh, of history and. Um, the uh, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world is um, a powerful mystery. Yeah. But we do, I think, make mistakes often um, by not beginning with creation when we tell the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, the God who makes the world from nothing and who loves the world and he loves everything that he's made um, without measure and without distinction. Mm. And... Uh, uh, I think Jesus, the wisest Christian contemplatives and teachers have understood that Jesus would become flesh whether we had fallen or not. And yeah. I think when you get yeah. your heart around that, I don't want to say mind, get your <laughs> heart around that, then it starts to it starts to change just the way you think about everything. Yeah. And uh, and how you think about God becoming flesh and mm. why God becomes flesh. God becomes flesh because God loves the world. Right. And Bonhoeffer is really good on this. He he says that we want to escape the world and we want to escape our humanity. Um, there's a lot of uh, can be sometimes Neoplatonic and Gnostic ideas. Mm-hmm. Particularly, in, I grew up in Pentecostalism, and I love, I love Pentecostalism. I talked to Charles Porter about this, but, but there has been a tendency to kind of devalue the world and mm. to take all those passages in the New Testament and say the world, the world, the world, mm. and interpret it to mean the material creation. But the material right. creation was created by God. Um, it was made by God, uh, spoken into existence by God. We were handcrafted by God, mm-hmm. and he invested everything that he makes. He loves everything that he's made. Yeah. And he becomes human... Uh, while we seek to escape the world to some other spiritual realm, mm-hmm. 
escape the material world, escape our existence. And I can understand older folks getting fragile and feeling pain all the time and just wanting to that to end. Right. But but getting to our just general core, right, we're too often fixated on something else rather mm. than this place, mm. the arena of the world as the arena of salvation, the arena of the world as the arena of creation, mm. the, you know, this material world and these bodies in which right. is what God is coming amongst us to save. Right. And uh, so we're despising our humanity, Bonhoeffer says, and we despise, um, the Gnostics despise the body, mm-hmm. but, but, Christianity loves the world. Christianity mm. loves the body, and we um, we want to stay. We want to understand that this is where salvation is occurring, and and that's why God came amongst us. He came mm. amongst us uh, to identify with humanity. He could have become anything in creation, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, huh. but he decides to become human. And so identifies himself with humanity, right? Um, that it's, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was Origen who said, you know, there's the stars, the mountains, the, you know, all of the different things. God chose to become human, and that means, that means that God loves humanity, and if He's become human. If he were not to love humanity, he would be hating himself. Wow. Right. Right? Because there, because there is at least one human being in the in in God now, because God the Son is a human being. He took on flesh not just in that moment, but forever. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He took the flesh, the fingernails and the fingerprints and the hair and the heart and the lungs, the flesh that he took from Mary that, w- that was knit in Mary's womb. Mm-hmm. And that was on the cross, and right. it descended to the dead, rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> so there is always one human being that mm-hmm. God will be related to, because God, the Son, is a human being. Right. And um, so, so this is the radical identification of God with His creation and right. with humanity. Right. And he, Bonhoeffer says that he sides with us mm. against everyone who opposes humanity, even our own hatred of ourselves. Yeah. Huh. And so the, even our own guilt about who we are or our own rejection of, of others that we don't like for whatever reason, sometimes mm-hmm. people are horrible, right? Right. But he loves everyone without distinction and identifies with every human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start to get that picture, then the cross starts to mean something even more beautiful yeah. And even more transforming and even more powerful. Right. Um, that God identifies with us that much that mm-hmm. he's not only becomes flesh, but he's willing to take on the sin of the whole world. Bonhoeffer says mm. that he is that he's standing, and I don't know why I'm talking about Dietrich so much today, but <laughs> where he, he says he, in in talking about the passage yeah. that was that's been in the lectionary the last couple of weeks, mm. Jesus is standing by the River Jordan and he's sitting there and he says I am not content to be the only perfect human being. Mm-hmm. I'm going to identify with all my brothers and sisters, take upon the sin of the whole world. Yeah. Not just the cross, but here in these waters, I'm going to descend into the waters of baptism with John, which was a baptism for the mission of sin. Right. And John's like, what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> 
And, and Jesus says, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. And fulfilling all righteousness was to radically identify with the sin of the whole world and take upon himself the sin of the whole world. Right. And uh, that's what he was doing when he, when he took flesh from Mary. That's what he was doing when he descended into those waters. Um, that's what he's doing when he's on the cross. That's what he's doing when he descends to the dead. Right. Um, so, and... Okay. Yeah. No, that, that's, I love that. Um, for me, the thing that always sticks out when I think about the incarnation specifically is that, like, Jesus is crucified, and when he's resurrected, the Bible goes out of its way in every gospel to mention that the scars were there, you know? Yes. And so it was still the same body. It wasn't yes. some new heavenly thing that can go elsewhere, and <laughs> yes. it's not part of humanity. Like, it's it's the same exact body that he got from Mary. It's yes. the same thing. Wow. Yes. And when it when the Bible talks about Jesus' ascension... Transfigured and transformed into something yeah. different, but not other than... Exactly. Okay. He, exactly. You know? Transfigured and transformed in the way yeah. that God wants to transfigure and transform each yeah. of us. Yeah. 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 And so I think that that's the beautiful thing because growing up, as I'd mentioned, like, uh, you know, there's an old gospel song that worked its way into our hymnals that uh, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love you that know? song, especially when yeah. those gals. Uh, on the uh, where art th- brother where, oh, oh brother where art there oh that effects. was phenomenal so Jillian Welsh yeah oh and they go in that different octave oh my god it just blows my mind even though the <laughs> theology is like what <laughs> right right but that's the thing is like I remember we used to sing it all the time uh, in my Baptist church growing up and there were a lot of times where I just thought wait what it, why do we want to fly away where are we flying away to yes you know because if God yeah. if God is coming to be with us. And even if you look at the end of the story and you look at what... In Jerusalem. Yeah, it's, it's new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. It's here. The dwelling place This of is God the destination. Is yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when we're saying I'll fly away, it's, it's escapism. It's not really, yeah. um, you know, even though, even though it is a beautiful song, you know. And we can be sympathetic with the notion that this world isn't the world God intended. Oh, absolutely. And if we sing it as I'll fly away to this world as God intends it, <laughs> yeah. then we're good. Yeah. Because heaven is only this, it's where God is. Right. And when God comes to inhabit every square inch of terra firma, mm. then this will, heaven will be this right. earth. Right. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, I just, wow, uh, grown up Southern. I'm Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Um, all those songs still have powerfully meaning for me. Have powerful meaning for me because they were sung by people that I love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so I can sing it in in uh, in joy with them, even though right. I, I, I'm I'm not I'm not looking anymore to escape. This is where salvation is happening. Mm-hmm. Like this morning in the hmm. in that courtroom with that mm-hmm. young man. He yeah. Was, you know, facing those charges and being there as the body of Christ for him mm-hmm. who is in chains, literally. Yeah. Um, what is that's this is the arena of salvation, you know. Right. This brother that you guys are ministering to, you mm-hmm. know, that's this it right now is the We place. sing joy to the world, the Lord is come, you know? Yeah. Like it's come, it's here. Right. Like there's an yeah. element to there's there's more to come, but we're, we're ushering it in, and it's right. fun. Well, I mean, and there is a blessed hope. We've been talking at Central about Advent, and we've been saying it's waiting and working. <laughs> so when mm. we talk about hope and peace and joy and love, it's, mm-hmm. it's waiting and it's working because we're waiting for the blessed hope, and we're waiting for 
the resurrection of all things and the restoration of all things, but at the same time, we're working towards that reality because we are the body of Christ. And, you know, so it's kind of a tension of, yeah, we do look forward to what God's going to do when everything is made right. But until then, it's our job that when we see things that are not right, mm-hmm. we, see, we see that there is not shalom. It's our job to bring it, you know? Um, Absolutely. So um, a question I had for you, Father Ken, um, this is just such an interesting time for a lot of people. So many people have uh, different experiences. It's almost like people have different realities that they experience during the holidays. And um, some people financially are in just different places. Some people with their family life are in different places. Some people are grieving in the holidays. And um, one thing that we're real big on with everything is light is hope and joy are things that are greater. They're higher realities. They're just something that's uh, bigger than circumstances, you know, but when we're going through loss and mourning, really anything during this season, where, where can we find joy? How do you have that joy in the midst of grief is actually a question I had premeditated from about a week ago. (laughs) Very, uh, yes, it's a terrific question. I think, What's what's great about Advent is that it reorients us. Um, it's the beginning of the church year. It's the beginning of the sacred year. Mm-hmm. It's about ordering our time, not on the agenda of the world, as Paul would say, mm-hmm. um, but on the agenda of the life of Christ among us. So it begins with the anticipation of God's coming uh, again. Um, and I think uh, because because Advent helps us to orient ourselves again to the right and proper understanding of time. Hmm. We, we um, I think what people have a tendency to do, especially in America and the American church, is when you start talking about God coming back again, it's always this kind of out there future thing that's hmm. going to happen. And you've got, you've got all this predictive thing that goes on, like, you know, when he's coming back and... Um, uh, who's in charge of the world and we have charts and and, and, and you get the charts and out and the <laughs> monsters and the you know and you start trying to interpret revelation with in one hand and the new york times in the other and that sort of thing <laughs> right oh. and and um and what people miss because advent is not just about the anticipation of the arrival of god in bethlehem uh and, and it's not just about the anticipation of the arrival of the Son of God again in the flesh, in this world, to consummate his kingdom, to establish his rule over the entire world. But it's also about starting to pay attention to where God is showing up and coming all the time, everywhere, mm-hmm. in every moment. So... So a lot of people will talk about Advent and they'll talk about, you know, the anticipation of God coming at Christmas and all what, what Christmas means, which is huge and beautiful, and the end of the world as we know it and the beginning of the world that God intends. Uh, people tend to focus on those poles and they don't think enough, I think, about being having your eyes open and your ears tuned to the arrival of God in the given moment right? Uh, that you're in. And uh, God's always showing up. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was out to this film with my children um, on the eve of Thanksgiving. Uh, we saw the movie uh, Fantastic 
beast or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is the most incredible movie. It has a wonderful protagonist that is so humble. He's like he's like he's like unlike anything I've seen in movies in a long time. We had this wonderful conversation with our kids about it. But I was sitting in my um, yes, <laughs> I was sitting in my um, my driveway having come back from the film is almost one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And the uh, the folks at uh, McLaren Pontiac called me and said that a woman had died mm-hmm. in the emergency room there. And that the family would like someone to come pray with them, which is something I volunteer for the Sheriff's Department. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the man who's in charge of all of us is also the spiritual director at McLaren Pontiac. And uh, he was out of town, and when he's out of town, they'll call me. Yeah. And I didn't want to go. I I wanted to go to bed. I was tired. Yeah. It was Thanksgiving. I had this whole idea what Thanksgiving was going to be like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I love Thanksgiving because there's not a lot for clergy to do except enjoy a long weekend and preach on Sunday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas Christmas, there's all kinds of stuff, right? And and I didn't want to go, and as that that I just that voice that you hear sometimes and it wasn't audible it's just mm-hmm. like in inside me that you know you go now as always when I when you're called and I'll be there for you when you need me and and um so I went in got dressed drove over there about 45 minutes and got in this room and these people were in such deep poverty I could tell the children the grandchildren there's they have nothing and this woman was the center of their existence she was the one who held them all together mm. and her husband is devastated her children are devastated the grandchildren don't even know what to do and she was their she was their wealth mm. and she's gone unexpectedly 51 and uh, we started praying the rights out of the Book of Common Prayer for those who passed, and um, you know the Holy Spirit walked through the room, and He showed up, and He brought peace, and He brought mm. comfort, and I think that's what Advent does. It reorients us to not just not not it reorients us from preoccupation with the with the future. Hmm. And even preoccupation with the past, which can be a problem, mm. and orients us to the present moment in which God is always seeking to come right. and bring salvation and bring deliverance and bring justice mm. and bring mercy and bring charity. Yeah. You know? And uh, so um, it's a good way to start the year. Absolutely. To be oriented again to the coming of God. God comes on the table that he prepares in the presence of our enemies, uh, which he has, he doesn't have, we have enemies, God doesn't. Hmm. He prepares this table before us in the presence of our enemies and he comes in bread and wine every week. Yeah. In all the places that Christians gather and we're not paying attention. Hmm. You know, God shows up in the person who is inconveniently in need because that, that's what he tells yeah. us. He, yeah. he actually says, I am present in right. the prisoner. I am present in the sick. I am present, mm-hmm. present in the destitute. Right. You know? When I was hungry, you found always me. showing up. So that's what, that's what 
That's what Advent reorients us to, the coming of God, yes, at the end of the world, yes, in this beautiful way we're getting ready to celebrate mm. Christmas Eve and, and for 12 days because it's too great a mystery. To, incarnation is too great a mystery <laughs> for one day. Right. <laughs> um, it's just ridiculous that we roll it up um, on the 25th. Um, but uh, and I've kind of embraced the fact that people start celebrating it November first because hey, it's all good. I mean, it's about God becoming flesh. So <laughs> yeah. let's do let's do two months of it. I don't care. That's um, awesome. That's good. But let's celebrate it at least twelve days. Yeah, no, for sure. I love that. I love that response because so the the story with the podcast is we'll just be really brief. But the story with the podcast is I started a blog a while ago called Everything Is Light, and. After a while, the blog turned into the podcast and different things like that, um, mostly because I met up with Drew and I was like, hey, people, sometimes people read my blogs if, if it's about a hot topic and then other times people don't read anything. And he was like, well, it's because people don't read blogs anymore unless they're on the toilet, you know? So, um, <laughs> so, so we decided that that's the, the sad truth. It, it really is. And so we decided, you know what, podcasts are something that people actually uh, consume people actually listen yeah. to it and so we kind of decided to kind of change the format but the whole point of calling it everything is light in the first place was this idea that that you can find light and hope in God in in the most unexpected places it's a matter mm. of opening your eyes and looking you know mm. and so the main idea was to tell stories where people found hope in situations that they didn't expect to find hope that they found light in situations that they didn't expect to find light, and then they found God where they didn't think God was, you know? Um, and so I just, I love tying that in with Advent, and, <laughs> you know, the that God is always coming, you know? It's, it's brilliant. And so the person, to answer Drew, the person who finds themselves in the midst of pain and grief, and I, I lost my mother at Christmas in 2012, mm. and we just lost my father mm. um, on Friday night, mm. and we're walking through this thing of loss. Yeah, and I think what we want to do is to be okay with the fact that we're in pain, and be okay with the fact that we're um, suffering, um, in the sense that um, you know that's part of the experience of life. But also, as people who who do so without with with hope, not without hope, but with hope, that God is coming, hmm. that He is coming to bring uh, peace and he's coming to bring comfort and he's coming to uh, embrace us. And um, and I think we want to open our eyes and ears to the ways in which people around us are being Christ to us as well mm. when we're suffering. Mm. Um, the body of Christ, uh, You, we talk a lot about the real presence of Christ in bread and wine, yeah. but uh, we ignore the real presence of Christ. The real presence of Christ is in us, mm. in, in you. Yeah. So in our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're, we're encountering the presence of Jesus. And uh, so God's coming out of so many ways, you know, through the creation, through his body, uh, through the sacraments, and uh, so we're not alone, and God is also with us in our suffering. He's not standing outside the experience of loss. He's not standing outside the experience of pain. He's not standing outside the experience of anxiety or depression. Mm. But when God became flesh, he took on everything about what it mm. means to be human. Yes. So he's not a God who's a deist God who's standing outside of time, and experience and humanity and just kind of like 
moving us like chess pieces on a board mm -hmm. or oh isn't that interesting what's happening with them over there he has radically identified himself with our experience yeah in Jesus and become one of us and so he knows what it's like the one who sits at the right hand of the father knows what it's like to be a hunger hungering in the desert hmm. he knows what hmm. it's like to be betrayed yeah by a friend yeah he to, to receive an in, insincere kiss hmm. he knows he knows what it's like to be denied wow yeah. even when you have only loved and served and and washed the feet of your friend and then in the moment of trial your friend denies you mm -hmm. you know and uh, he knows all those experiences and from the inside out so God is God is not standing outside of those experiences he's he's in those experiences with us wow you blow well, my mind man That's eh, great. every time Good stuff thank you seriously so much for your time and uh, for joining us, yeah. it's been a wild week, and we just we really appreciate this. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if you can use this, but I want to yeah. just read a little piece on because you guys talked about incarnation. Yes, and I yeah, just, go for it. You know I, what? Let's make this the takeaway. Mary is as baffled and quietly grateful as we are that God chose her, that he sides with humanity permanently against all who oppose us, even our own hatred of ourselves. At the end of a long season of bearing, at the end of a long journey, at the end of a long day, and after excruciating pain, after holding him close to her heart, holding God, she stopped bearing God for the first time since she said to Gabriel, let it be. She lays his bright flesh in a feed trough, swaddled against the anxiety of leaving her womb, nestled by wool and straw from the cold night sting. The one who was God before all worlds lies there, as helpless against fragile existence as any of us bound to the poverty of homelessness, a slave now to the elements he created, a hungering creature of necessity, soon to be an immigrant fleeing political terror, held aloft from the damp ground by wood that as God he holds together. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon said of this tightly wrapped bundle of dust, the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. Yet, contained he was for nine months within this weary teenager, smeared with dirt, sweaty from her labor, catching her breath in time with this baby. The one who in the beginning breathed the stars into the astonished sky above them beginning and end of the Christian revelation of God, of all that Jesus does for us and for our salvation is this baby, this mother, this manger, this dust, this sweat, and these halting breaths.
So that's this is what we're talking about when we talk about incarnation. And um, I hope that that you'll take that into your heart and uh, let it transfigure uh, your life and uh, the way you see everything yeah. and the way you relate to everyone, how you experience the God who made you. And that's another episode. Thank you so much for listening. To support us, you can rate or review on iTunes or check out our store at everythingislight.org. We have something real special coming up in the next few weeks where we are doing a listener-supported episode where we want to be able to take your questions and you get to guide where the conversation goes. Please send us any emails, feedback, or ideas for topics, questions even, to contact everythingislight at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. one of those mics with a with a with a P blocker okay. on it and I think that's what they call these things mm-hmm. sure. right P blocker mm-hmm. yeah. I'm okay with that mm-hmm. yeah. I always think it's a weird it's title. a very weird title that's the first time like, yeah. e. here's my here's my P story <laughs> I don't record this <laughs> no you can record it but don't put it on the podcast we so, usually have bloopers maybe we'll use it some other time okay <laughs> so I had I did not know Myers Briggs at all. Oh yeah. And um, I was at a <laughs> I was at an intelligent design conference at Baylor, mm. and this was in April of two thousand. Yeah. You guys know who Nancy Piercy is? Mm. She ghost wrote a bunch of Charles Colson's books. Oh okay. mm. yeah. Quite a, wow. She's, she's kind of an apologist. Okay. She, she, right. After ghost writing Colson's books, she became kind of a the uh, kind of a, a like wow person um, in the apologetics area and okay. you know, kind of conservative evangelicals yeah. and wrote her own books and she was there at this kind of apologetics conference but there were there were real hardcore skeptics at this thing and also intelligent design proponents and so okay. forth. But anyway, that's the background. So we're out to dinner one night 
and we're talking. We were there for hours, and she said, "Do you know anything about Myers Briggs?" And I was like, "No." And she, and she was like, "Well, I know what you are." What? You know? She she said she said I know I know what your, your yeah. four letters are, and I was like, "Okay, tell me." And she was like, "ENFP." And so uh, huh. she she was like, kind of, this is what he is, ENFP, the whole yeah. time. And so before I took any tests, and of course she ended up being right mm. uh, when I actually took the test. Um, but she had described these things to me, and uh, in her own words, what ENFP meant. And so I was just kind of thinking about it, and, you know, and meditating on what she said. And so the next morning, there was this uh, kind of breakfast coffee thing spread, mm. and there's all these academics in a circle, and Nancy's in the circle talking with her. And I walked straight up to Nancy, and I said, Nancy, you will not believe my pee came out so strong this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, of course, was met the pee aspect of my personality. Right. Her, her jaw dropped, her face flushed. Everyone else looked like I had just said, you know, yeah. something like, can we go copulate or something? Right. And um, it, dawned yeah. on, it dawned on me yeah. that... <laughs> that I had walked to a woman at a coffee thing before a conference with all these academics and told her that I'd had a really strong piss that morning. And I was yep. like, I was, I was, it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire wow. life. And still, it's one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. Definitely something so, to be proud of. Blocker, just kind of, yeah. Let's find another name. Uh, um, it's been fun. Now, Drew, I just ask you, is there more than one of you? There's just you, right? There's not more than one. Because more than you one are what? everywhere. I mean, <laughs> I I see pictures of this guy. It, it's it's great. I have a Facebook man. Oh, this man. guy is everywhere. Yep. He is everywhere. I do have a question. Yeah. My question is, though, is there a wife for me at Holy Redeemer? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Pondering. <laughs> I lay awake at. I lie awake at night. There are many single women your age at Redeemer. Uh, all I can say is, come and see. That it's good, as the apostles would say, come and see. Right. Father Ken's been my wingman on several occasions. Nice. Wrong. The hits. Build the wall. Drain the swamp. <laughs> No. Build the swamp. Drain Build the wall. Build the swamp. Drain that wall. <laughs> Answer tweets. Retweet. Retweet idiots. Retweet idiots. Okay. Here we go. Ready? That's going to be in the bloopers. <laughs> okay. Here we go.